0: and welcome back to the show. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host, Tony Brown. Today is Saturday, the 16th of June, 2012. You can hear Gun Rights Radio Network on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, BlackBerry, or Palm phones. On demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free today at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. Gun Rights Radio Network shows can be found under sources. This show is part of the Gun Rights Radio Network. Podcasting freedom. One show thingy at a time or something like that, I don't know. Before we jump into the show, let's go ahead and get our contact info out of the way. If you'd like to contact the show, there's a couple of different ways to do so. The first would be to use our voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. 206-745-2731. I do use this voicemail for my other podcasts, so when you are leaving a message, make sure that you mention that it is for Firearms Cafe. If you'd like to send in your own audio recording, or if you'd like to send in a regular email and have me read it for you on the show, I'd be more than happy to do that. The email address is firearmscafe at gmail.com, all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. I'd also like to remind everybody that we do have a sponsor for the show, which is gunguybooks.com. You can go over there, and there's uh, stuff from uh, guns and weapons, pop culture, zombie stuff, things like that. So go over again and check that out, and that's gunguybooks.com. All right, speaking of contact info, we did get a couple of emails for the show. And this first one is from Lawrence, and he's in North Carolina, and he was writing about the uh, man who was an armed citizen that stopped a stabbing spree at a Salt Lake City grocery store. And he uh, wrote in a quick note saying, Hi, Tony, just something to think about. Why incidents like this don't make it to national news. Kudos to the citizen with a gun. Stay safe from Lawrence. And then he gives a link, and I will put that link on the show notes over at Firearms Cafe. Our second email is from Jim in California, and he writes in, Hey, Tony, I'm a latecomer to your podcast. I enjoy it very much. I have taken to listening to your older podcast, which I do not do with many other shows. Over the course of several of your episodes, I think in the early 30s, you discussed buying either a J-frame revolver or a Ruger LCP. I don't recall hearing what came of it. Did you purchase one? And if so, what? If I missed it, please let me know which episode. And this, again, was thanks from uh, Jim in California. He has a PS. He's also looking into a kel PF9 and would be interested in you or your listeners' feedback. Okay, Jim, thanks for that. Hope to hear from you again real soon. You know, I did end up deciding on the Ruger LCP. I haven't bought it yet just because I haven't found one at the price I'm willing to pay. Uh, I want to get a, a good price. I'm, I'm not really afraid to buy a used gun. Most people don't. In the used gun market, they don't really shoot their guns a lot, um, so I'm trying to find a good, a, a real good price, and uh, I'm, I'm just kind of waiting for that. I know if I if I kind of wait long enough, I'll eventually find one. Uh, or if I'm going to pay a little bit, maybe higher price, I want it to have you know a couple extra magazines and a laser and maybe a pocket holster and a bunch of other stuff kind of thrown in. So it's one of those things where I'm sort of having to wait, kind of for the perfect storm, so to speak. Uh, also, um, if any of you guys out there have any experience with the uh, kel PF9 in particular, I know Jim uh, had said at the end there that he would be interested in uh, some feedback and some uh, some real-world stuff on what you like about it, what you didn't like about it, that type of thing. Oh, a couple of years ago, I think it was, I actually got to shoot one of the uh, small kel and I don't remember, I know it was a 9mm, but I don't remember which one it was. Um, I don't know that much about Keltex. What I can relate from my shooting experience of it was, it was a it was a nice small gun, um, but because it was smaller, it had a little bit of snap to the recoil to it. So if you were going to have that as a a, uh, a daily carry or even a backup. Or a gun that you're gonna, you know, maybe carry when you need to carry something that's really pretty small, you'll really need to practice with it and get used to that, that snappiness. And again, it's not anything that's uncontrollable. It's just kind of for me. My experience with it was it was just a um, the Kel-Tec that I shot was just kind of a snap. Um, it's much like some of the oh some of the 380s. I, I used to have a a Walther PPK in 380. And for a little gun, and it was all stainless steel, for a little gun it had quite a bit of snap to it. Uh, and it, I, I ended up really not like liking to shoot it too much. Um, I thought there were other things out there that were better. Uh, and that, again, has to do with that Walther PPK that I had.
1: Hey, Tony, this is Tom from Roanoke, Virginia. I wanted to talk about something I've done recently. Uh, about two years ago, I bought an AR lower from a local gun store. I think I paid about $115 for it, something like that. Seemed pretty reasonable, and since that's the serialized part is the only part considered a firearm by the BATF, I thought it was good to put away. Um, a little while after that, I bought the, the DPMS lower parts kit. As a matter of fact, the lower is also a DPMS panther arms. Um, from what I understand, most lowers are the same. It's not a real critical part as long as everything's within spec, so that's what I got. Anyway, everybody was away for the weekend, um, weekend before last. I bought myself for two whole days. I've been putting this off for quite a while because I was concerned about not being able to do it properly. Did I have the right tools? Did I have the skill? So on and so forth. Anyway, I looked at a couple of things on the Internet and at Brownells and decided I I could probably try to see what I could do. The only thing really tool I had, proper tool, was the, uh, AR wrench that you use to tighten the castle nut. I used a 330 seconds punch just on my carpenter, so I used a nail set, basically, to drive the roll pins. I used a single edge razor blade and some painter's tape. I didn't have a block, but the, uh, an armor's block to set the receiver on. I basically just held it in my hand at the dining room table and worked on it. Um, The parts I had the most difficulty with were the front pivot pin. It's got a real tiny little spring with a sort of a torpedo-shaped little thing that sits on top of the spring. That is the detent for the front pivot pin. They make a tool to hold that in place. I didn't have one. I just basically balanced it, used my two hands and my knees, and a single-edge razor blade. That's what I used put the uh, detent down far enough to slide the pivot pin over. It worked after about 10 minutes. I tried it several times. I almost launched it one time. If I'd have lost it, I probably would have had to buy a replacement. I also installed a uh, Nikol ASAP end plate, which is something I wanted to use because I intend to buy the MS3 single point sling that's adaptable to singular or double point. Um, that has is adjustable for a commercial or a mil-spec buffer tube. Hey, Tony, Tom from Roanoke again. I'm sorry I apparently rambled on too long. and got cut off by your timer. Um, I had mentioned that I used an ASAP end plate because I wanted to use a single-point sling. Um, that comes with a little pin, like a rectangle, two different sizes, one's for the mil-spec tube, one's for the commercial tube. I have a commercial buffer tube, so I had to use the longer pin. It probably took me a dozen tries with the uh, with needle nose pliers to get that seated properly. It would tip one way in or the other and would not seat. But I finally persevered and got it to go in. Holding that while holding the uh, rear takedown pin detent together and getting it all screwed together with the castle nut and the wrench takes a little bit of uh, trouble, but it can be done. If I had it to do again, I don't know that I'd necessarily buy an armorer's block, but I may want make one out of wood, something to clap into the vise, to hold it so you can use two hands freely. Um, if I were going to do this more often than I am, which probably, I might buy another lower if I could find one. Anyway, i probably go to Brownells and buy their roll pin holders and the roll pin punches, especially for the uh, the bolt release. That's a typical little thing to work on. I did it. I put um, painter's tape on the uh, lower side it didn't mar it or anything But it was a real pain um, The only other thing I did I used Allen wrenches I have a lot series of Allen wrenches All different sizes Some of them, you know, eighth of an inch and smaller I used those as slave pins To align some of the parts Like the trigger mechanism Triggering mechanism, the bolts And some of the little roll pin things The only thing I really screwed up Was the roll pin for the trigger guard I put in a magpull trigger guard where you attach it with the roll pin on the rear. And then normally where the flat trigger guard comes with it, you can depress with the tip of a bullet or something like that to release it. Um, That comes with a little Allen set screw and an Allen wrench to screw together. I kind of ding that roll pin up a little bit, putting it in. I touched it up with a black magic marker. But eventually I will knock it back out and just replace it with another roll pin. All in all, it went in together pretty well. Um, I have a Bravo Company manufacturing upper that I put on top of it with a nightpole mow furniture. I uh, like it a lot. It seems to be a pretty quality build. Um, the Traeger pull actually seems better on this than my Bushmaster. So I haven't had a chance to sight it in yet, but I'm working on it. Um, it's just a standard AR with the night pole furniture, and the only concession I made to, I don't know what you would call it, Vanity, perhaps. I got the flat, dark earth color oh, um, grips, so on and so forth. I like it a lot. I don't know if that's particularly useful where I live, as far as being anish green color, but I just like the way it looks.
0: Hey, Tom, thanks for sending that in. Hope to hear from you again real soon. And uh, you know, it's really cool with those AR-15s; is they're so modular that you can pretty much do whatever you want to do with them. You know, you can put whatever furniture you want on there. Uh, I think that what you said about a lot of times you may not need to buy every single specialty tool because you can use things maybe that you already have or that you can, uh, maybe make your own, you know, jigs or blocks or things like that. Uh, so I'm glad you're able to kind of get some of the stuff you wanted and able to get your uh, AR 15 the way you wanted and still have it be relatively simple and functional for you. Um, I've shot them before. I don't own what you would call a typical AR-15 type rifle. Um, I've shot the Bushmasters and I've shot Stag. And I liked them. Um, And those, of course, were both direct impingement. The rifle that I have that's my, I guess, AR-15 type, for lack of a better word, is the Robinson Arms XCR. Um, And I really like that. It's funny, a lot of people who sort of have problems with it seem to be people that don't own it. Uh, And the the people that hate that particular rifle are kind of like internet haters or forum haters type things. And the people that like them acknowledge, oh, yeah, there's a problem here, there, this or that, but for the most part, they really like it. And I really like mine. I haven't had any problems with it. It's never had a failure to feed or to eject. Um, The only thing that I kind of don't like about it is that it does... Even on the lower gas settings, which you can adjust the gas setting, and it's a piston gun, by the way. But anyway, um, it ejects them kind of too far. It really has a forceful ejection. I wish it, it it didn't do that, but that's just one of the uh, maybe one of the designs of the gun or how it inherently works. If you were going to compare that Robinson XCR to to any other type of gun that's out there, any other type of rifle, probably it takes a lot from the. Takes a little bit from the AK, with the uh, with the piston system, also with the uh, some of the Czech weapons, some of the uh, FAL. You can see a lot of kind of the old oh, bits and pieces and parts in there. Uh, but I like it, and the main reason I got it was because um, like the AK, like the Glock, like some of the other like some of the Czech stuff. It's they're simple. They're real. It was a simple design, and for me, my thinking at the time when I bought it was. The simpler the design that you can have and still have good reliability and good functionality, the better off I would be. Uh, I would like to, if money ever permitted one day, to get just like a regular, maybe just like a plain Jane model, something like a Stag or maybe a a, a DPMS or something like that, um, uh, rifle just to have for fun and uh, be able to kind of goof around with it a little bit you guys may notice a little bit of difference in the sound quality I'm actually in the truck so let's go ahead and continue with the show here uh I want to talk a little bit of politics and talk a little bit about uh Ron Paul Rand Paul talk a little bit about Gary Johnson a little bit about Mitt Romney so let's go ahead and jump in with uh the whole Ron paul Rand Paul controversy and sort of what's going on with that right now. Basically, a lot of people are upset because Rand Paul endorsed Mitt Romney. And a lot of people who supported Rand Paul thought he was kind of a clone of his father and thought that he wouldn't really ever uh, endorse anybody who was seen as a corporatist, a, neocon, a, a warmonger, and a flip-flopper. But, if you... And I've said this before, Rand Paul has has always been more of a politician. Much more of a politician and much more willing to play the political game, I think, than his father has. And there were some concerns, too, on Ron Paul. Is Is he going away from his convictions, is he going to now endorse Mitt Romney, all this kind of panic and basically emotional responses happened, uh, which led to a lot of wild speculation. The thing of it is, is when we look at any of these politicians, and it doesn't matter who it is, so of course, you know, Ron Paul and Rand Paul are both included in this, You have to look at what's their voting record. You can't really go by what they're saying. Uh, Because in in the the bottom line is it's going to come down to what are they going to say yes to and what are they going to say no to. And if we look at Ron Paul over the decades that he's been a representative and he's been in the House, he has been consistent. He hasn't been bought and paid for. There hasn't been any scandals. There hasn't been, you know, things where he flip-flopped on stuff. You can go back and pull up things from the 70s and from the 80s, and he's saying the same exact stuff that he said then that he's saying today. Now, with a guy like Rand Paul, again, look at what he's supported. Look at what he's tried to get pushed through. Look at um, not so much what he's saying, but what he's actually voted on. And there are some things that he's voted on that I disagree with. But on, in, in the overall thing, I think he, he stands for the individual. He stands for individual liberties. He stands for individual privacy. He stands for a much more of a free market. He has more of a free market slant on things. Not saying that he is as good on that as his dad is. But again, I don't necessarily expect him to be. Uh, based on the stuff that he said and based on some of the things that he's voted for. So, uh, I guess my advice to people who are kind of wondering what's going on is just, you know, take a look at what their voting record is. Don't don't trust the media. Don't trust what you're hearing. You know, you haven't trusted them before. Why start now? Uh, just kind of calm down, take a breath, and look at the actual facts. So, Let's ask ourselves, well, who's actually running for the Republican uh, nominee right now? And really, it's pretty much uh, Ron Paul is all but conceited. Uh, he still wants people to go and uh, do the delicate, delicate, <laughs> the delegate thing in Florida. And he wants uh, it to be civil, and basically, what he wants is to infuse certain issues, uh, he wants basically influence over the party, uh, and I think that in, in some part is where what Rand is, is maybe trying to accomplish, I don't think it's going to happen the way he thinks it's going to happen, um, but again, we'll have to look at what his voting record is going forward. If, if you listen to what he said, the reason that he did some of this stuff was because he wanted to be able to get a seat at the table where in the past his father has really not been able to get that, has not been able to get a lot of the stuff that he wanted to get accomplished done. Uh, but let's look at... Uh, so that's, that's kind of maybe enough of that stuff. But... Um, There's a lot more I want to say, but I don't want to go into it too far because I think I'll just kind of start rambling or get into a rant or anything like that. But anyway, let's look at the current arguments for Mitt Romney, who I don't like. Um, And before we jump in with that, if you want to write in Ron Paul, do it. If you want to vote for Gary Johnson, do it. If you want to vote for Romney, do it. If you want to vote for Obama, do it don't, don't not participate. Um, there, I know there are other philosophies out there that say, well, it just doesn't matter. And, but I still think you should participate. I still think because, you know, wacky things happen and I still think you should vote for the guy that you think is going to best represent you and that you think is going to make your life in the long run and your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren the things that that person who you're trying to put into power and you're trying to get their administration, you know, uh, able to to get some stuff through, those are the people that you want to vote for because they're going to ultimately make your life better. So, you know, when we look again, let's, so let's go back and let's kind of look at the case for Romney, what the arguments are. And one of the arguments is, is that there is probably going to be a couple of more Supreme Court justices that are going to go out that maybe are voted more on the conservative side. Or, uh, again, if we keep it to gun culture that voted more for the gun culture, the, uh, voted for gun rights and individual rights as, as gun owners that you would want somebody like Romney who's going to probably put somebody who's going to be more conservative in there um, that's one argument and, and the opposite would be well if Obama's in there he may get to a point two or maybe even three more and when the next Supreme Court decision comes up they're going to overturn that it's an individual right and this and that and then we're all going to be screwed I don't know whether that's going to happen or not. Um, anyway, but that's uh, that's the argument for that. Now, the other argument for Romney is that you go, man, I know this guy is just a turd in the, in, in the punch bowl. I know he's no good. I know he's terrible on individual liberty. I know he's a warmonger. I know he's going to be a slave to the military-industrial complex. I know he's basically going to be a fascist and work with all the big multinational corporations and the big bankers. I know that he's not going to audit the Fed. I know that he's poor on the economy. But, having said all that stuff, Obama is worse on all that stuff that I've just said. And so I'm going to vote for the lesser of two evils. Because ultimately I think he's going to screw me the least. And you know I have a I have a I I, underst- I can understand how somebody would think that way, but then that's that's the only thing you're ever gonna get. If, if you're not willing to change, if you're not willing to, you know, try and put somebody in there either at the federal level or the local level who's actually going to be somebody other than a Democrat or a Republican, you're not ever going to get change, and you're always going to have to go in and vote vote for the lesser of two evils. And let's do a real harsh kind of crude example that's going to upset a lot of people. When I give this example, but it's a it's it's a point, and some people are going to say, "Oh, you're going way too off the beaten path, and you're, you know you're uh, the example you're going to give here is, is uh, it's nonsensical, and it, it's it's uh, it's so to the extreme that it, you know you can't really make your point with it." Oh, I I beg to differ. Let's say because we're talking if you say th- these people are evil and they ultimately are going to be the ruin of our country. So let's look at it this way. Let's say there's three guys that are in a room room, and in in another room is your six-year-old daughter or your six-year-old son. And of these three people that you're going to get to vote for, they're going to go into that room with your kid and they're going to stay in that room with your kid. Person A and person B and person C. So there's three of them. So person A is going to go in there, and they're going to molest your kid. They're going to rape your kid for 10 minutes. And person B is going to go in there, and they're going to rape your kid for 7 minutes. They're going to molest them for 7 minutes. And person C is going to go in there and is just going to hang out play video games with them. Not going to touch him. Not going to do anything. Who are you going to vote for to go in that room with your kid? I know who I'm going to vote for to go in that room with my kid. The way that things are now, we're not voting for what somebody's going to do for us. We're not voting for somebody who's going to make our lives better. We're not voting for someone who's going to advance our individual freedoms and individual liberties and our privacy. What we're basically doing right now with the system that we have is we're voting for not what are they going to do for me, but we're voting in essence for... Who's going to screw me the least? Who is going to trample on me the least? So we're voting out of fear. We're not voting out of principle. We're not voting... On, on, on the right issues. We're voting for, again... Who is going to screw me over the least? When you're voting for the lesser of two evils... You're still voting for evil. You're not voting for change. You're not going to make any difference. So again, I can't tell you who to vote for. I can't tell you how to vote. All I can tell you to do is that when you do go vote, vote your conscience. Vote for the person that you think supports individual liberty, individual freedoms, individual responsibility, and the person that best represents what you want. And if that person is Gary Johnson, if that person is a write-in for Ron Paul, if that person is Barack Obama, or if that person is Mitt Romney, vote for who you want to vote. Vote for that person that you think is going to best represent you. All right, well, I tell you what, I've rambled on quite enough And uh, hopefully the sound quality isn't too off on here. And uh, again, vote your conscience. Um, Also, while you're doing that, stock up on ammo. If there's any guns you want to buy that you haven't got yet, better get out there and buy them. All right, guys, take care. I will talk to you next time. First, it all seemed like such
1: harmless fun. It was hip to go along with the gang. But where's the gang now? Why aren't they with him when he needs them most? Too late, he realizes that by joining to belong, he's more alone than ever. This is the one trip he must take all alone.
0: it to make sure the victim will never get away oh the devil has given in superhuman strength